Thank you, Lord. What a great sense of the presence of the Lord in this place this morning. We just want to just, just be. Just be in his presence. It's hard sometimes for some of us because we forget we're human beings. We think we're human doings. So we're always about busy in our minds, activity, and sometimes just to be in this moment. And I want you to open up into the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. I started a series um, a couple of weeks ago, or three weeks ago, seeing clearly, seeing clearly. We talked about seeing truth clearly. We talked about seeing God clearly. And I want to just kind of expound or take it another step, seeing Christ clearly. We talked about how a physical eyesight can get clouded, can diminish and weaken over time physically. In the ministry of Jesus, he once touched a man's eyes who was blind. And Jesus asked the man if he saw anything. And the man said, I see men like trees walking. Touched them. And the man was restored and saw everyone clearly. In a spiritual sense, we sometimes can see men as trees. We sometimes can see men as trees. And what do I mean by that? Maybe we don't see as clearly or as accurately as we once did. And we need God to touch our eyes again. And just like the blind man, we could have our eyesight restored and we can see clearly. How many of you want to see clearly this morning? Amen. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that the eyes of our understanding can be enlightened. The eyes of our understanding, the spiritual understanding that we have, we can come to a place of greater enlightenment, greater clarity. We can see things in a greater way. May we pray like the psalmist did in Psalm 119, open my eyes that I may see wonderful truths in your word. I want to talk to you this morning for a few moments about seeing Jesus clearly, seeing Christ clearly. In Revelation chapter 1, how many of you are there? It's not easy, to, it's not hard to find. The last chapter, I mean the last book, the last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 1. And I want to read a passage of scripture. I want you to see Jesus like you've never seen him before. Revelation chapter 1. I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Diatyra, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. 
Then I turned. This is John. John the Apostle. One of the original 12. He's the writer of the gospel that bears his name. The gospel of John. The writer of 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Small uh, letters that he wrote. And he's the writer of the book of Revelation. And he said, I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and gird about the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, uh, uh, yes, white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters." And he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the, he who lives and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Here we have John, one of the original 12 apostles. He had walked with Jesus for over three years. John had heard the teachings of of Christ as he taught the multitudes and also as he taught in smaller and more intimate settings. John had seen the miracles that Jesus had performed. He had seen as Jesus wowed the crowds with, with miracles and signs and wonders. And Jesus knew, a poor or, or John knew Jesus on a personal level. And he knew him as well as anyone else. G John was also at the cross when Jesus was unjustly crucified. He was close enough to Jesus to hear Jesus say these words to his mother. Jesus turned to his mother while he was on the cross and says, Mother, behold your son. Son, Behold your mother. And the scriptures tell us from that day forward, John took Mary into his home and took care of her. We're talking about John who had such a close personal relationship with Jesus. He was there through his whole life, through his whole ministry, and even at the end. However, in the book of Revelation we see an epic, unveiling revelation of the same Jesus. But he's not the same Jesus. He is now the exalted and glorified Son of the living God, King of kings, Lord of lords. Verse 8 says he called himself the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the one and was and who is to come. You see, John is now seeing Jesus on another level. Not as the Jesus who walked the shores of Galilee, nor the Jesus who grew tired and had to take a nap on the boat, 
nor the Jesus who was pushed around by the religious leaders and harassed by the Romans and mocked by Herod and Pilate. This is now the Jesus who is in his glorified and exalted state. He is now the one who has conquered death, hell, and the grave. We see in these verses of scriptures, verses 12 to 17. You see, in Jesus' Jesus' earthly ministry, John would draw near to Jesus. The Bible tells us in one passage that, that at the Last Supper that John drew so close to Jesus, he was able to ask him a question that no one else would hear. But now we see in this passage of Scripture... John is falling as a dead man, prostrate in the presence of the glorified Christ. What I want us to understand today is that as the people of God, we need to have that greater revelation. We need to see Christ more clearly. We need to have the Holy Spirit take our eye salve and, and, and touch our eyes to help us see God, to see Jesus clearly, to see him as he is in the glorified, powerful, almighty state and condition that he is in right now. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us, Paul praying that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. A spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. I ask you this morning, are you trying to see better? Do you want to see better? What active steps are you taking to see better? One way is through the worship that we had this morning when we begin to exalt Christ, worship Jesus, sing songs that are scripturally, biblically based, solid in truth and doctrine, begin to open up our heart. The Holy Spirit comes, and where the Holy Spirit is, there's wisdom, there's revelation, there's knowledge. So worship becomes a way. Studying the Word of God is, is most definitely primarily a way reading the scriptures every day, being in a life group. Please pick up your notes for our life groups that start, not this week, another week of prayer and fasting, but the first week in November. But being in a place where we're studying the scriptures. Amen? In John chapter 12, there was a group of seekers that came to the disciples. And the Bible says they came from Greece and they came to one of the disciples and they said these words, Sirs, we wish to see Jesus. We would see Jesus in another translation. You know, I believe now more than ever with all the chaos, with all the crises, With all the turmoil that is in the world, you turn on the TV, whether it's in America, whether it's in Nigeria, whether it's in India, wherever you turn, wherever you look, the countries, the nations of the world are in crisis. 
We're dealing with COVID-19. We're dealing with the economic fallout. We're dealing with injustices. Fires are burning. Thousands of acres, hundreds of homes are being destroyed. It's chaotic out there. You know when you, any Monk fans? To watch the show Monk? You know how that story, this song started? It's a jungle out there. It's a jungle. It's, a, it's chaotic out there. It's chaos. There is such a sense of hopelessness in our world. More than ever, there is a cry, that, a silent cry that I believe is rising in the hearts of people. And they're asking, we want to see Jesus. You see, people need to see Jesus in our churches, in our ministries, in our lives. They need to see Jesus. There needs to be a clear representation of who Christ is. Not religiosity. God deliver us from the traditions of men, religiosity. But I'm talking about a clear, true representation of what the Bible tells us, of what, who Jesus was. Sirs, we would see Jesus. You see, our churches can't be about the lights, though we have nice lights. Doesn't the, car, the platform look nice, the new carpet? But you know what? Our churches can't be about the lights, the smoke. It can't be about the decor. Our ministries can't be about how big and how great they are. Our ministries, our lives need to be about how big and how great Jesus is. I've heard some people talk more about their churches than they talk about Jesus. Talk more about their ministries than they talk about Jesus. Talk more about themselves than they talk about Jesus. But I want to challenge you that when every prayer is prayed, when every song is sung, sung, every ministry is done, every sermon is preached, when every testimony is shared, people must see Jesus. Sirs, we would see Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us to see Jesus so that we can portray him clearly to other people. You know, there's so much religiosity we're brought up with and gets, gets entangled in our lives. So much of the way culture influences us that we fail to just look into the word and see what the word says. And we're affected by things that we were taught that are not necessarily scriptural, that bind us, that restrict us. I remember someone telling me that, you know, as a, as a preacher or somebody, you can't put your hand in your pocket when you're standing and preaching. Where's the scripture for that one? But do you know that's stuck in my mind? And now I, anytime I, oh, I can't do that. That's, oh no, you can't do that. God forbid you do that. But the same person that told me that became a member and then they left and they never came back to church. And then when I saw them in a restaurant, they lied to me, said they'd be back in church. They lied to me, said they weren't going to church and I knew they were going to another church. So you, could, you can't put your hand in your pocket, but you can lie like the devil. Oh, come on, you better be careful this morning. 
The truth's coming. The truth's coming. Don't put your hand in your pocket when you're in the pulpit, but you can lie and become a member, make a commitment to a church and not come back and then lie to the pastor saying you're not going into church anywhere. You'll be back to victory, but you're going to another church. Oh, Jesus, help us, deliver us from tradition. May we see Jesus. Sirs, we would see Jesus. Oh, I'm chasing out some religious devils this morning. But that's a good thing, amen? Because we want to be set free in Jesus' name. So you can put your hand in your pocket. I'd rather see you put your hand in your pocket, tell the truth, tithe, serve God, be honest. Don't put your hand in your pocket. Lord Jesus, you can't make these things up. <laughs> there used to be um, something we would, we would pray This is years ago. You'd have to be a little older to, to remember this. When someone would get up to give a testimony, they'd get up to share a song, they'd get up to minister the word, they would pray this, Lord, hide me behind the cross. Let people see Jesus and not me. I think that would be good to, to say again, or maybe not necessarily say it out loud, but let that be in our hearts. Lord, hide me. Let people see Jesus and not me. The world's crying out not for religion, not for an outward show. They want to see Jesus. They don't want to see you. They don't want to see me. They want to see Jesus because it's not about us. It's about him. I can't change a life, but Jesus can. I can't set anybody free, but the power of the cross can set people free. When they see him, it's not about me. You know, it's like the preacher who preached his sermon and as he was greeting people at the door, this was before COVID. He can't greet people at the door, and no, I'm just kidding. But he's greeting people and one elderly woman came up to him and said, Pastor, what a great, what a good sermon. And he said, oh, and he was trying to be humble. He said, don't thank me, thank God. She looked at him, she said, Pastor, it wasn't that good. But it doesn't matter. It's about Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 14, and I, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto myself. What was Jesus saying? Lift him up. You know what it really means in the original language? You might even have a little asterisk in your Bible. You know what it really means? If I be crucified. The cross still has a drawing power like nothing else has. When we preach Christ and him crucified, when we preach Jesus, there is a power, there is a draw, there is something that is so magnetic, it is powerful, it is the only thing that can change a life. Turn with me to, John, uh, to, to chapter 4, chapter 4 and chapter 5. Just want to share a couple more thoughts and bring this home. We're going to close in a, in a song this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to open your eyes and just bring encouragement to you. 
something just a little commercial. I've just been praying about doing a, a teaching on a, an off night, maybe a Tuesday night. This is a, a, a commentary by Chuck Swindoll. Chuck Swindoll has been a great, great expositor of the Word of God for like 40, 50 years. Well, I've just been reading this book on the book of Revelation. How many of you would like to study the book of Revelation? Get a book, read it, study, have classes. Maybe we'll do 10, 12 classes on a Tuesday night for an hour and a half. But I think that would be a great book for all of us, for me, you, to study for ourselves. Get into the Word, read the Scriptures. This is a commentary. I'll make notes. We'll have a great time together. So looking at the new year to begin that. But John chapter 4, John chapter 4, after these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the voice, first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. If you go down to verse, uh, verse 8, and it says, and the four living creatures, each having six wings, with eye, full of eyes around and within, and they did not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. If you remember last week, uh, when we talked about seeing God clearly, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah saw God, and he cried out, Holy, holy, holy. This is the New Testament. This is now... Uh, we're going to see it was Jesus, it's Jesus. So the same cry, holy, holy, holy for God is holy, holy, holy for Jesus. The only two times in the Bible where you have trice holy, three times holy used, Isaiah 6, Revelation 4, and it's for Jesus. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the, four, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him, worships him who lives forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Now I want to go into the next verse and I want to just show you something I believe is so powerful and we're going to close. Verse 1 of chapter 5, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. And then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was, to, was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Now stop right there. John has been transported into heaven to begin to see the unfolding of time as we know it. The end times. The tribulation, the coming of Christ, all of that. And in this passage of scripture... There's a, there's a cry that goes out by this angel, who is worthy to open the scrolls? Now, what that means is, it's not just unrolling a scroll or opening up a book. It meant to unravel the mysteries or to understand what's going to happen in the world and to begin to unfold God's plan. So it's not merely opening up a book or opening up a scroll. It's actually one who has the authority the power and the will to unfold or 
um, untangle human history, if you will. The Bible says John weeps. See, John knew that if no one had been found worthy, the hopeless condition of the world would continue indefinitely. The suffering, the pain, the sickness, the death that characterized life would never come to an end. Verse five, but one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the world. So what happened? Here we have Jesus Christ, the Lord, taking control and beginning to exercise dominion over the earth and all its kingdoms and to begin to restore the conditions that were before the fall of man to restore the earth back to paradise. In Revelation 5.8, we see the beginning of the process of God putting everything in its right place by placing everything in the right hands. Now this, this, this was so intense that John begins to weep. And what that speaks to me of, and I believe it's very relevant today, is there is such a sense of despair and hopelessness and confusion in our world right now. And even many Christians, if we're going to admit it in our humanness, we look with such fear and uncertainty and concern and even a sense of hopeless and dread over what's happening in this world. And you see, John weeps because no one is found worthy to untie the scroll. In other words, there was no one to make sense of what's going on. There was no one to explain or reveal or to put it in order. And the Bible says they looked on the earth. Right? Look at that. Look at that verse. Um, verse, uh, verse 3. And no one in heaven or on the earth, or under the earth. So, so no one in heaven. So Paul, the apostle, didn't know. Peter didn't know. Isaiah didn't know. Uh, Moses didn't know. Elijah didn't know. No one in heaven w was found. They looked on the earth. Bill Gates. Joe Biden. Donald Trump. Kamala, Kamala Harris. Uh, Bill Gates. Surely there's somebody on the earth. Maybe it's the donkey. Maybe it's the elephant. No one was found. They looked under the earth. What does that mean? Those who have died and gone on before. All the great generals, all the great leaders, all the great physicists, all the great geniuses of history. There was no one found worthy. But Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus. You see, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we look at the book of Revelation and we think it's all about the Antichrist. But the book of Revelation is really an unveiling of Jesus Christ. The one who was found worthy 
to unloose the scroll or untie the scroll. You see, as we close, as we close, we want to see Jesus more clearly. In Revelation chapter 1, John was able to see Jesus as he is right now. Although he had once seen him in his earthly form, now he sees him on another level. And the Bible says that when he saw him, now in chapter 1, I don't have time to go through this, but he says he was like, it was like flame of, fi- like flame of fire, like this, like that. What does that mean? See, John was seeing things that were beyond human explanation. All he can do is use metaphors or similes to try to explain. He was bankrupting the human language, the human vocabulary that he had. And all he could say was, it was like. It was like. Because he was seeing things that could not be described. How great, how glorious. And when he saw him, the Bible says he fell like a dead man prostrating himself before the Holy Son of God, the glorified Son of God. So what I want to close with is this. You can trust Jesus. You can trust God even when life is crazy. Corey Tenboom, who was a survivor of the Holocaust and became a powerful Christian and witnessed around the world in her faith in Christ. She said this. I want you to hear this. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future into the hands of a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future. Nobody knows the future. Nobody knows the future. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future into the hands of a known God. The more you get to know him, the more your faith rises. I'm I'm, I'm full of more faith now and more encouragement now. In spite of all the craziness, you say, Pastor, are you living on planet Earth? I have, my wife and I are going to be grandparents. Amen. We're going to be grandparents in February, coming in just a few short months. And you know what? It's, you look at the world, but I'm not full, I'm not right. f- full of uh, fear and trepidation and questioning and wondering. You know, you think bringing a, a baby into this world, who would want to do that now? But when we know Christ... When we see him clearly and know he's on the throne, he's in control, not the Democrats, not the Republicans, not man, not the nations of the world, not Putin, not anybody. God is in control. And we can trust him. We can trust him. Young person, you've got a future ahead of you. That's right. We don't know what the future holds, but just take one step at a time. Trust God every day. Older person, say, what am I going to do? I'm getting old. Who's going to take? God will take care of you. God will provide for you. I want us to sing this song in closing. Pastor Michael, come and just officially close with some announcements and just lead us in our giving time of giving to God. But I want you to stand. I want to sing that old hymn of the church. Because He lives... 
Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I don't care how hellish it is, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, I know he holds the future. Put the future of your life, the future of your children, the future of this nation, the future of your nations, wherever you've come from, this turmoil in all the nations of the world. And the more we closer we get to the end, the greater fury of the devil, the greater chaos we're going to see. But you know what? We know who holds the future. The devil doesn't hold the future. Jesus Christ is the one who is worthy. He is worthy. Let's sing it. Worship Him with this last song and then we'll close in just a prayer in a moment. Amen.